You're listening to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Jeremy Shear, your host. The show is brought to you by Conversa, a podcasting agency that helps B2B brands start podcasts to connect with prospects, grow brand awareness, and create better content. So as you know, I'm a podcast producer and I run a podcast production company that works with B2B brands. So that little commercial that you heard before was for my company, Conversa. But I'm also a fan of podcasts and an advocate for the value of podcasting as a business communication and marketing tool. So I'm always really excited when I come across a B2B brand that has a podcast. And that is the case for Matheson, which is a diversity, equity, and inclusion software platform and they help companies create, execute, and measure DEI initiatives. And their show is called Voices of Inclusion, and it's all about DEI strategies and best practices. And I'm really psyched that my guest today is the host of that show, Robert Woods III. Robert is also Matheson's content strategy and marketing manager. So Robert, so great to have you. Thanks a lot, Jeremy. I really appreciate it. This is awesome. We're going to talk about the podcast and kind of your experience as the host and the the marketing value that you get from it. But first, you're also an author. You've written yeah. a couple of books. So real quick, tell us about these books, you know, what they're about. Yeah. So one is called Intrinsic Value. Opportunities come to those who know their worth and options. And it's really about the connection between your personality and your destiny, honestly. And I think if you don't know your options, then you might assume that your value is associated with what you're currently making. But that's just really not the case. And so that's really what that book is about. It's like a, a really good feel good book, but it's also something that's really enlightening. And then I have the Veteran Transition Playbook. Actually, both of these I wrote this year, but the Veteran Transition Playbook is is basically um, a guide for veterans to have a smooth transition out of the military. I transitioned mm. out of the Air Force in 2016. And four months after that, I tripled my income. And I really just wanted to tell people exactly how I do, did it. And this is seven years after that, and I'm finally writing about it. So I just felt like it mm. was it was time, especially since I have almost seven years of being a separated veteran under my belt. So just really excited about those and just glad to be able to talk a little bit about them. But that's not what this mm -hmm. is about, but thanks for letting me share. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. Well, that's, that's pretty impressive. You wrote two books in one year. We'll put links to those books in the show notes so people can easily check them out. But thank you for sharing that. So now let's talk about podcasting. As I mentioned, you guys have a podcast called Voices of Inclusion. So first, just tell us a little bit about the show. What's it about? Yeah, so Voices of Inclusion is really a show geared toward speaking to DEI professionals and people leaders about how they actually execute their strategies. I know a lot of times people may not know people in their network that are actually doing these things and doing this great work. So we speak about things from how to advance employees to retention metrics and retention strategies. So all of the things that you would love to hear from your favorite HR or DEI leader on LinkedIn, you get to hear them speak on, on the podcast. And I think it's just one of the most gratifying experiences I've ever had. We're about 34 episodes in now, and it's just been a dream. Honestly, that's awesome. So is this the first time that you've been involved with producing a podcast? No, I actually started producing my own. And mm. that was probably one of the reasons why my employer said, hey, you're already doing this. <laughs> why don't uh -huh. you go ahead yeah. and help us out? And so that's how the podcast got started. In your experience so far, both with producing your own podcast and Voices of Inclusion, 
What do you think is the hardest thing about producing a podcast? I think maybe the hard, there are a few different things. I think when you launch the episode, I feel like there are so many different moving parts. You want to make sure that you get the artwork right. You want to make sure that the clip is right. You want to make sure the thumbnail makes sense. What about your title? And so I think there's a, a few different moving parts in addition to what I had mentioned, but also I think managing expectations when it comes to the outcomes. I think some people, my personal podcast, it might have higher views than a B2B podcast. And I think articulating that message to any key stakeholders, I think can be challenging, especially if they don't necessarily have their own. So it's just, it's tough to um, actually grow the audience. But I think once yeah. you have momentum, I think that's really it's a beautiful thing to see something grow from the early stage to a little bit of maturity. We're definitely going to talk in a little bit about how you grow your audience, what's been your strategy for that. But first, I hear you, right? I, I like how you describe that. There's a lot of moving parts and pieces, right. the title, the artwork, the music, all these things, n none of which are super complicated, but yes. it's just a lot to keep in mind and do the right way every single time, right? If it's your number one job, then that might be like, great. But I think if you have blogs to write or social media to manage mm -hmm. and clients to connect with and things like that, it could be pretty challenging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it, it can be a full-time job. There's enough going on that you could devote most of your time to it. Yes. But especially like you say, if it's not your full-time job, then <laughs> yeah, it's a lot to handle yeah. for sure. And it's fun, though. so what do you like about it? What's fun about it for you? For me, honestly, I would say personally, it's just getting the opportunity to meet these people that I may not have met or spoken to on the phone otherwise. So I think that's an incredible, I mean, networking may not be the best word to, to, to state, but honestly, the networking piece of it, because I just love yeah. being able to meet people that love what they're doing. And we get a cool opportunity to do that on a weekly basis. But I also like the fact that we also get to share our audience with other people and they do the same. So I think it's a really cohesive marriage of the sort. And mm -hmm. I would say, and it really lasts forever. I created a podcast a few years ago, podcast episode with a friend. And whenever I type his name, this is like almost 10 years ago, whenever I type his name, it, our podcast episode still comes up. So I think for mm -hmm. SEO purposes, it's pretty beautiful too. It has a pretty long shelf life for sure. Now, of course, the podcast is part of the business too, right? So let's talk about the business strategy behind the podcast. Uh -huh. You're the marketing guy at Matheson. So what does the podcast add? How does it add business value to the greater marketing project? Yeah, I think I think there's certain things that people in business typically say we love those KPIs and things like that. But from, I think, a heart-centric approach, I would say... The, it, it helps us stay connected with our potential clients as well as the clients that we do have. So when we post things, our, our clients that we do have, they like it, they share it. And it's something that we can all continue to, to speak about on a weekly basis. It's almost like that, like football. <laughs> Did mm -hmm. you see this? The game on Sunday, you get an opportunity to have like new, fresh content to discuss on a regular basis. But then I think a lot of times we do have some incredibly powerful people as guests on the podcast. And I think sometimes that that poses opportunities to really speak to them a little bit more about business or partnerships 
or become the client sometimes. Let's talk more about that because I think that's a key value for a B2B mm-hmm. podcast, right? It's the people you're talking to on the show. Right. And like you said a little bit ago, it's a way to, to get time with people who otherwise might be really hard to get time with because they're very busy and everyone wants their time, right? Right, exactly. But hey, you have a podcast, you invite them on, there, a lot of these people are going to say yes, right? right? What's your strategy when you're having these connections with these folks on the podcast? How do you cultivate them as potential customers or even referral partners without being super blatant about it? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think the conversations typically arise pretty naturally. Sometimes someone might say, hey, I've heard about Matheson, but what do they do? And that'd be a great opportunity to tell them about us and also introduce them to some of our products, share a demo with them or something like that, or provide a demo. So I think that's those are the typical avenues, but Mm -hmm. it's not personally, it's not something that is, it's not on my my to-do list every single time because I can... Yeah, sometimes I can I can tell that a person may not be our ideal client yet, but I always love a great, you know, media partner and I think that's a great place to start. Yeah. I like how you put that. It's like a feeling out process. Like you said, if someone straight up asked you, Oh, what do you guys do? Then right. that door's open and you can just <laughs> they asked you, Okay, here's what we do and great, they're curious. But if they don't ask, then it's more of a little, it's a little more subtle looking for maybe now is not the right time to go there or, or, or if it is then in, in a different way, but it can be kind of a fine line. And when you think about funnels, I think sometimes the funnel is just incredibly long. And I think there's nothing wrong with that, especially if you're cultivating a real relationship. I think you find that most people that are in business or successful in business they're really just working with their friends a lot of times. That's that's really the goal for me. And also, you know, mm-hmm. I think as a company, we just want to continue to give people great information and that's inspirational, but also actionable. You guys have a lot of other marketing channels besides the podcast, right? You have an active blog, you have training guides, you have a book, I, I believe it was that was co-authored by the founder of the company, right? That's right. The podcast is just one part of the mix. What role would you say that the podcast plays as compared to those other channels? I would say the other channels are a little static, which is, I think is great. You always need that piece. But building upon what I mentioned earlier, if we always have a great conversation to speak upon every single week, I think that really just helps nurture our audience. And not not necessarily just an audience from a marketing perspective, but helps us build relationships with people that we may not even know that's seeing or viewing our our content. Actually, this morning I spoke with a representative at LinkedIn and he mentioned that before a person buys, there's typically 10 to 13 touch points. And so our goal, my goal with the podcast is to continue to add the amount of touch points to the people that people uh, see us from. And hopefully they can check in with us at some point. So you guys are producing a weekly show. Right. So every week pumping out that good content. That's right. And I found in producing this podcast and podcasts that we produce for our clients, Mm -hmm. another part of the value is if you if you are trying to have a fresh stream of content, have something that's less static and man, it's hard to beat the podcast, right? Because just having a 20 minute conversation or whatever, that's like the most natural thing in the world. Right. And we were saying before, there, there's a lot of moving pieces to producing the show on the back end, yeah. but actually having the conversations. I mean, that's fun. 
It doesn't take a ton of prep and you get a lot of really good content out of just a 20, 25 minute conversation. That's been my experience. What have you found? Yeah, I found that too. The the actual podcast is so easy to actually record, but you need to make sure your audio is good, video is good. Yeah. But I think another challenge for me is just making sure my chihuahua does not bark <laughs> during the episodes. <laughs> it's always a challenge. But one question I have for you was around your yeah. distribution scheduling. How do you typically distribute your podcast in clips or basically to make sure that people are getting word around? That's a good question. We've tried a, a few different ways and I'll tell you what we do and then I'd love to hear what you do. So we're always recording audio and video, right? So of course with the audio, we publish it through the, the hosting platform and it goes out to Apple and Spotify and all those places. But then the video is good for promotion, right? So we chop it up into a bunch of different clips and our audience is primarily on LinkedIn. Okay. So we're posting clips on LinkedIn and but we also have a YouTube channel. So we're posting clips on YouTube and the podcast has a website. So we'll post stuff on the website as well. Mm -hmm. And just recently I've gotten into that more YouTube short style of clips feeding into that whole algorithm. And what, however that works, it works, right? Like you produce it in that particular style with the captions and the certain kind of editing. I guess it's been around for a while, but for me, it's a little bit new. And so that's what I've been doing more recently. And that seems to work pretty well just in terms of the raw numbers and just getting a short clip out there. But what, how do you go about that? Yeah, we do the same thing. I recently started testing shorts. I re also, actually next week I'll be launching the utilization of this app that I use called Get Munch. And I think I mentioned that, but I downloaded maybe a 29 minute clip and it created about 30 different clips that were transcribed mm -hmm. for me. And I think they, they also had prompts for the social media posts. I'm really excited to, sh to launch that, but we typically launch one clip on LinkedIn when we launch the episode and then that same clip on Instagram. I'll also put that on a short. I've been doing that recently, adding that to shorts. But I think the next step, though, and the next phase is really to dig more into TikTok and how to yeah. utilize that. Because I think there's going to be a, that we, we have a short window of time before TikTok's algorithm changes, just like Instagram's did. Yeah. Which, by the way, this is a whole other level of stuff you have to do right? <laughs> on top of finding guests and just making sure it all looks and sounds good and then publishing it. And then you got to promote it. This really is a lot of work. And, and again, the whole idea here is to build up that audience, right? And you mentioned that before. So how has that gone? What have you seen in terms of the audience growth? Like how well is all this promotional stuff working for you? Yeah, I think it really, there's definitely a range mainly because all of our guests are they have a varied, varied level of exposure to social media and things like that. Some mm -hmm. people, a CEO may have a thousand LinkedIn connections or something like that. Someone like me has more, <laughs> which is just funny, but it just, it really does depend. But I will say that I would say the exposure is something that we pay a lot of att attention to, especially on LinkedIn. Typically our videos have maybe about four, between three and 1000 impressions on each like launch. And then our Instagram has different different metrics there, of course. But I would say we typically have about between 300 and, and 1,000 um, mm -hmm. impressions for each episode. And I know that 
a lot of times people don't download the entire episode. So that's one thing to consider, but that's why I, as another metric, I, that's why I pay attention to LinkedIn because that's where a lot of people yeah. hear a little bit about us from. Yeah. Okay. So like you, that's where your audience is at least one exactly. primary place where they are. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. I find some of this stuff is, it's a challenge, right? Yeah. It's a challenge just doing all this stuff, but then also making sense of the data, like <laughs> an impression. Right. What is that? Like right. it's something, right? but like how, to what degree is it a vanity metric? To what degree is it not? And it's, I find it very difficult to know. You, all you know is you got to promote this. If people right. don't know about it, they're not going to listen. That's just a fact. Yeah. So you got to get it out there, but there is such a thing as vanity metrics, right? And it's all too easy sometimes to get caught up in them. Mm-hmm. And they can push you a little bit in the wrong direction. I'm not saying that's what you're doing, but just generally, like, you yeah. got to be careful with that. Yeah. And I think especially when I think sometimes companies or even individuals may, it may not be a mistake. I think it, a lot of times it is intentional or done on purpose, but the specific content that people speak about, in my opinion, it's great for it to align with your actual, the mission of your business. I know sometimes especially with LinkedIn, I think a lot of things can be sensationalized and that can be a challenge for business, I believe. But that's something that I just, I always try to keep in mind since I'm managing our account. Now you had the advantage, of course, of having started your own podcast, right? And learn, learning how to do this. So you were pretty well in a really good position to be able to do it at Matheson. What would be your advice, say, for a B2B brand that didn't happen to have somebody like you that had that experience, but they want to get into podcasting? What would be your advice to them? Um, I would say start small and measure each inch each little step, I would say. We already have microphones in our pockets every single day. So I think just record something on on your phone or a conversation on your phone. And then also I would recommend utilizing a, a source, a platform like Acast to distribute your podcast. And from there, you can just start to see everything rise from there. Of course, nobody may listen on the first episode. Then the next episode, you get two listens and it's one might be your mom and then the next episode just continue to go and i think there is a stat out there that states that most company i think most i think 80 percent of podcasts don't make it past the 20th episode and i think that's something to to consider and keep in mind and just keep going and record as much as you can when you can yeah i hear you loud and clear i think that's exactly right you got to be patient you got to keep going. And, and I think you have to, even if it's not your full-time job, right? understand that it's an investment, an mm-hmm. investment of time, maybe also an investment of some money, right? But it's like most things, it's going to maybe kind of suck at first, or you're going to feel a little lost at sea. But then if you stick with it, and the more you do it, and maybe you get some guidance from the outside, stick with it, give it at least 25, 30, maybe even as many as 50 episodes to really give it a chance. And that might seem like a lot, but that's really what it takes. Yeah. I think once you get to episode 50, you're just, you're a lifer in my opinion. It's, Mm. you're a podcaster. And even if you might slow down, just keep going. Because in my opinion, if your great grandkids can listen to your voice years after you're gone, I think that's another added bonus too. We have no idea what things will look like that <laughs> far down the line, but right. but but right, the stuff, th- these digital products that we're creating will last as long as there's an internet. 
Exactly. You know, it's really pretty amazing. Yeah. I did have one more thing to add too, and that's have your own success metric. Like even if it's not downloads, mm-hmm. maybe, hey, you like hearing your voice a little bit more or when you got a new microphone, oh my gosh, my audio is a little bit better. Or let me make sure my mm-hmm. background is nicer. I think every incremental update is going to add to the experience that your, your audience is going to hear and see. And I think ultimately they'll appreciate it. I think everybody loves a good glow up. And I think that's something mm-hmm. to consider too. That's a great point. And I'll just add one more thing too, that yeah. there are different ways to measure the success and value of the podcast. One is the just the raw audience numbers. Keep in mind that you don't know exactly who's listening at, a, at any given time. It could be your mom or not. Maybe your mom isn't into it and she stopped listening. <laughs> who knows? But the like, but you do know who you're talking to on the show, mm-hmm. right? And as, as you said, you get to t- have some really good conversations with some high level people. There's a lot of value in that. And that's another way to think about the value. And, and I would argue even maybe even the primary way. Concentrate on the conversations that you're able to have with people that you have strategically chosen to speak to because they can help you grow your business in some way. Exactly. Right. Hey, it's, it's always a, a pleasure to speak with a fellow podcast producer, a fellow podcaster. Likewise. So final question, Robert, how can people connect with you? What's the best way? The best way to connect with me is on LinkedIn, Robert E. Woods Third. I always say my full name. I was telling Jeremy for SEO purposes, but I'm not the Robert Woods football player, just for everybody's <laughs> clarification. <laughs> But I think that's probably the best place to to find me. All right. Awesome. So we'll put the link to your LinkedIn in the show notes alongside some links to the books you've written and to the company, Matheson. People can check it out. Robert, thanks so much for your time. I really enjoyed chopping it up with you. It was really a lot of fun. Jeremy, this was awesome. Thank you for having me. That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.